Quorum remiseritis peccata remituntur reis, et quorum retinueritis retenta sunt. Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Very dear faithful, today we celebrate what is commonly called Low Sunday, the first Sunday after Easter. On this day in 1931, in a vision approved by Rome, our Lord asked that this Sunday be commemorated as the Feast of Divine Mercy, coming as it does nine days after Good Friday. The Divine Mercy message is strongly associated with St. Faustina Kowalska, who received visions of our Lord instructing her how to pray the chaplet of divine mercy. As part of these visions, our Lord asked that an image of himself showing blood and water flowing from his side be popularized and that a feast of divine mercy be established for the Sunday after Easter, which corresponds to today in the liturgical calendar. It is fitting that in these visions before the Second World War, our Lord appeared to speak of his mercy. In 1917, Our Lady of Fatima had warned of another more terrible war to come if Russia was not consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. And indeed, this war was being prepared in the 1930s by the movements of fascism and Nazism. It is not a coincidence, therefore, that our Lord appeared in 1931 to St. Faustina, asking that devotion to his mercy be popularized. Moreover, he asked for the Feast of Divine Mercy to be established on this day, when the epistle of the Mass, taken from the first one of St. John, speaks of the blood and water of our Lord, and the Gospel, also from St. John, is of our Lord granting to the Apostles the power to absolve sins. Dear faithful, this is no mere coincidence, but is, it, but is itself very significant. In this homily, let us look at mercy from the perspective of another St. Thomas, the one who wrote the Summa Theologiae, and understand how we are to profit from the mercy so liberally offered to us by our Lord. In question 30, in the second part of the Summa, where he speaks about the virtues, St. Thomas recognizes that mercy is a part of the theological virtue of charity. He begins with a definition taken from St. Augustine. Mercy is heartfelt sympathy for another's distress, impelling us to succor him if we can. Since distress in Latin is signified by the word miseria, Mercy, in Latin, connects this word with the word for heart, core, and we have the word misericordia. When we have mercy for someone, we experience their distress in our heart. St. Thomas rightly makes a distinction here between a mercy that is felt as a passion or an affective mercy and a mercy that is understood in the intellect leading to action or an effective mercy.
An effective mercy is simply the feeling of pity that we have at another's distress. It is a movement of the passion, a result of empathy. An effective mercy is virtuous when it is under the control of reason, and in this case, guided by the theological virtue of charity. When the feeling of pity at another's distress prompts us to act for the good of the one suffering, then we are taking steps to relieve the misery of the sufferer. St. Thomas notes that if God did not become incarnate, he would not have passions and would not be subject to the movement of passions as we human beings are. His mercy would be entirely effective. Even from this standpoint, he would seek to drive out of us any cause of misery that may be in our souls, namely our sins. Precisely by this effective mercy, through Jesus Christ, he took upon himself human flesh, and therefore also has an experience of our distress and has a mercy for us that is also effective. Since the misery in our souls is caused by sin, God hates sin for the distress that it causes us. Through Jesus Christ, his mercy, both effective and effective, vanquishes our misery. It is very human to feel empathy at another's distress, but why do we experience it? St. Thomas explains that it can be in two ways. The sight of another's distress can affect us because as human beings, we realize that we too can suffer such distress. This affective mercy is especially intense when the one in distress is a friend or a member of our family. Another reason for this empathy for another is a common experience with them of the same evil that can cause this misery. Here again, we understand what our Lord went through when he took upon himself all our sins. In accepting our sins on his innocent soul, not only does he know our misery by the disorder that they cause, but he has also experienced with us the evil that we suffer when we commit these sins. There is no closer friend that we can have than our Lord Jesus, our Redeemer. As Job prefigured it in the Old Testament, our Lord did not deserve anything that he suffered, but he willingly chose to take these sins upon himself for our sake. The suffering that can take away our life or some part of it as an illness, or the suffering that comes upon us as by an accident, suddenly, are not as bad as that suffered by one who has always pursued the good and has only met overpowering evil. Our Lord was entirely innocent, and yet he accepted the evil of our sins and their consequence, death. It is because he is God and purely innocent that he conquered death that he can be merciful to us. 
With this teaching from St. Thomas in mind, we can see that God has been merciful to us from the very beginning of salvation history. At the creation of man, God certainly intended that man be with him in heaven for eternity after a short time on earth. The fall of Adam and Eve put an end to this plan. In justice, God could not let man into heaven without him making some satisfaction for his sin. However, man could not do this satisfaction by his own power. Moreover, having offended God who is infinite, the satisfaction would need to be infinite as well. For this double reason, God sent us his only begotten son. Today's episode points out that our victory over sin and death and our return to heaven will be by the blood and water which flowed out of the sacred heart of our Lord. He came to us with the mission to save us from our sins. And even though one drop of his divine blood would have been more than sufficient for us, his love and mercy for us is so great that he poured out all of it at Mount Calvary. By the blood and water which flowed from his heart and the Holy Spirit who testifies to this truth in us, we know that Jesus made satisfaction to God the Father for our sins. This blood and water is the outpouring of God's infinite mercy for us, an infinite mercy that God extends to us for the infinite offense that we caused him by our sins. For this reason, St. Benedict gave his monks this instrument of good works in his rule, never ever despair of God's mercy. This brings us to the second point of this homily. How are we to profit from the mercy so liberally offered to us by our God? The answer, as you may have understood from listening to the gospel, is to use the sacrament of confession. It is no coincidence that Holy Mother Church has had this passage from the Gospel of St. John for today's Mass for centuries before our Lord chose it for today's Feast of Divine Mercy. While in the Gospel of St. Matthew, in chapter 16 and 18, our Lord gave the power to forgive sins preeminently to St. Peter and then to the other apostles before his passion, death, and resurrection, here in today's gospel, he visits them after his resurrection and gives them this power. To make it clear to them that he is the Lord, he came into the room even though the doors were shut, showed them his wounds, and commissioned them for their work in the church. We read from the gospel, he said therefore to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father hath sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them, and whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. It is in the sacrament of confession, when we expose to God our misery, confident of his mercy, that we will receive healing for our sins. 
It is by the sacrament of confession that the life-giving blood and water from the sacred heart of our Lord will flow into our souls and bring it back to life. However, there is more. The sacrament of confession is about the forgiveness of sins. Besides confession of our sins and expressing contrition for them, we must also have a purpose of amendment. We must want to make satisfaction for the sins that we have confessed. This way, we begin to repair the damage caused to our souls. As the saying goes, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where the going can be tough. This is where most of us are tempted to give up and say, it's too hard. There is no reason to do this. At the foot of the cross, where God opened up his heart and poured out the last of his blood and water for our salvation, there stood Our Lady, the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is not for nothing that our Lord gave her to us as our spiritual mother. In the hymn, Hail Holy Queen, attributed to the Benedictine monk Hermann the Lame, we call her Mater Misericordiae, the mother of mercy, the mother of Jesus. Let us turn to her when we feel like giving up, and she will help us look up from our wounds and weaknesses and receive new courage from the Son of God, her Son. Moreover, there is yet another source of help in He who educated our Lord on earth and prepared Him for His mission, His own spiritual father, Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph is a master of the interior life, having spoken to Jesus until the end of His time on earth. Now in heaven, He is still His spiritual father, and is willing to extend his spiritual fatherhood to all of us. Let us turn to him as well. He will teach us to talk to Jesus, to rephrase our questions, correct the way we express our misery to God, and most especially, he will help us with his counsel to persevere on this rocky path through the narrow gate. With their help, we will see that the abyss of our misery can only be filled with the infinite mercy of God. With their help, we can understand better the passage when St. Mary Magdalene first was with our Lord. When we turn to our God, acknowledging that we have sinned, then all our accusers leave us, and there we will be left alone with Jesus our misery with his mercy. Having exposed to him her misery, she received from him his mercy in the words, Go and sin no more. O Mary, Mother of Mercy, pray for us. Saint Joseph, solace of the wretched, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.